Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. Practical. 
Because uh, you know anything about Glory Church, one of our first values is that we live his truth. So we cannot talk about this word hope without actually saying, what are we to do with it? So if you will be my guest in this, uh, we are not only going to get a little tradition, a little festive, a little holiday feel every week, but we're also going to get very practical. Hope in action, because you are given hope to give hope, right? If you're a believer in the room, you are given peace so that you can spread peace. You are given joy so that you can showcase and grant joy, and you're going to love to do the same. So this morning, we're going to dive right in to this word, hope. Hope. Now, that might be a powerful word. That might be a strange word. That might be a, uh, a word that's a little intangible for you, but I'm excited to dive into it this morning, and uh, bear with me. I am, I'm not used to hearing my voice just echo throughout the world right now, so hopefully you can track along with me. We are about to open up to a very wordy passage. All right, it's from it's a little wordy, and it's Romans chapter 15. If my kids were in the room, I'd be like, all right, guys, I have uh, twin seven-year-olds. I'd be like, okay, guys, we're going to put our thinking caps on this morning. Because you will realize this is a meaty passage. It's Romans 15, we're starting at verse 7, and I only have six verses for you. But if you'll do the me the honor, you've got to track with me. All right, because it's going to get a little confusing. You're going to think the whole time, how does this have anything to do with hope? And then out of nowhere, hope comes on the scene. All right, so bear with me in that sense. But who we are writing to in this is the city of Rome. There are some Christians that Paul is writing this letter to who were Jewish in descent. They were, they were Torah-reading God-lovers who now have given their life to Jesus. And at the same time, the church of Rome was full of pagans, full of people who had no context at all with Judaism, but they fell in love with Jesus. And so they have a, have a background of all this deceit. They have a background of, of sins, of traditional sins, uh, very, very baked into their culture. And now we have this hodgepodge of people, right? It's just all, all a lot of people with different backgrounds, different ethnicities in the Church of Rome, and to them, Paul is writing this letter and kind of push hope, hope. So we're gonna we're gonna get on, and like I said, put your thinking caps on. So I don't know if you can read it up here, but if not, go ahead and open up that app, the Bible app to Romans 15. He says this in verse seven: Welcome one another. Therefore, just as Christ Jesus has welcomed you for the glory of God. If you want to know something really cool about the word welcome, it is translated to receive people well. Receive one another well. Just as Christ Jesus has received you well, you should receive other people well. And then he continues and says this, For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the circumcised on behalf of the truth of God in order that he might confirm the promises given to the patriarchs in your life. What? Well, this is what it means. Jesus became a servant to the prophecies about him, him saving the Jews, and he came for the circumcised, the Jews, is what he's saying, but also Paul continues. He also came in order that the Gentiles, those who have no lineage, those who've never heard, those who have no hope in their bloodline to ever know God, he came for them that they may glorify God for his mercy. And then I love this slide, the next slide. He's gonna quote the book of Isaiah a quarter of times. 
will confuse him, but he's quoting the book of Isaiah. These are prophecies. And he says this, the first one, as it is written, he says, therefore, I will confess you, Isaiah says, among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. And again, he says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with this people. And another time in Isaiah, he says, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the people praise him. And again, Paul says, Isaiah writes, the root of Jesse shall come, the one who rises to rule the Gentiles. And in him, the Gentiles shall hope. There's the word, hope. And he continues, May the God of hope then fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now that was a lot, I hear you. All right, that was a whole lot. But what we are getting in is there is this end result of hope, but it begins with being well received. All right, did you hear that? Like at the very end of the passage, it's hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace so that you may have hope. But it starts off with Receive one another well as Christ Jesus has received you. And I think this is the direction. If you want hope in action, it's going to be talking about being well received and receiving others well. And so I have a question for you. When was the time that you were well received? When was the time that you were well received? Maybe you were you were having to do a presentation at work and you had you know it. This is the first time you've ever been given the presentation seat. And you're like, all right, I have to do this. And you were expecting the worst, but were well received with nods, smiles, encouraging things. Or maybe when you first met your spouse's parents, you were hearing the worst, but you were well received. I can remember when we first moved into Kansas City, my wife and I, uh, we, we moved and uh, started the groundwork of Glory Church as it is today. And uh, I remember we felt called to plant in the, in the what I hear now, the urban core. So what, what everyone who, who lives here in the city calls this area the urban core, that's where our heart was. And so we, we decided to live here, move here, and I had so many God-fearing and people who loved Kate and I prepare us for the worst, prepare us for backlash, prepare us for pushback, prepare us for being outsiders coming in. And, and so, uh, we took their words, and I had no idea what to expect. So we did, we knew that we're going to do this, we're going to do this the right way. We're going to live here, we're going to plant roots here, we're going to be here. And so we did. About two weeks in, I did not realize how blessed we would be on our street. Literally two houses down from us is this 80-year-old woman who uh, is probably watching online with us. And she said, I have been praying, I've been on this about for 30 years, I've been praying for godly families to come into this street, and you're here. Now our neighbors started calling me, hey pastor, they would have family get-togethers all out on their, their, uh, their front yard, and they'd be like, hey pastor, can you pray for the meal? And I'm like, I don't, yes, this is my pastor, and I'm like, I don't know you, what's your name again? I'd be like, hey, turn the music down so the pastor can pray. And it just, it was amazing, we were well received. You see, something beautiful happens every single time that you meet or well-received into a situation. Something powerful happens in us. We have joy. We have peace. And what spurs up in us is hope. It's hope. It's hope. In other words, it's the hope, the ability to tangibly endure through the experience, right? The ability to tangibly endure. You thought, meaning your, your in, now in-laws were going to be terrible, but the hope that you felt 
because you were well received, it made you able to endure. Made you able to endure. I hope this beautiful ability to know what the next step is, right? It allows us to finish well in hope. It allows us to know that things are going to be okay. It makes you want to go back to see them. It makes you want to be there. It makes you want to do it again. I wrote this down. What happens when we have hope? That is what gives you the clarity to take your next step. I was well received. And that thrives you. That offers you an ability to keep going. It inspires you forward. And this is what Paul is saying you should do for them over there. And you guys should do for these guys over here. In fact, you should do for those working out in the back. Is receive one another well that they may have the hope to know what their next step is. If you're taking notes, write this down. When people are well received, they thrive. They thrive. When people are well received, they thrive. And I know this to be true because I'm a promoter of it. But I also know it to be true because our world is full of the opposite. Think about this. When people are, are received poorly, that's a confidence killer. When people are, are received poorly, that is destructive to, to who they are, to their understanding of their identity. Maybe you were received poorly in your home and, and you felt abandoned. You know what spiraling down emotions that leads to. You know what it looks like and feels like to be poorly received. But when people are well received, they thrive. And this is throughout throughout the gospel. I remember times, uh, the opposite, here's a comical example, but when I was a first youth pastor, uh, I was a youth pastor for seven years in Arkansas, and in my first year of being it, I was a young youth pastor, so I was teaching one time, and a kid, you gotta love kids, right, who uh, raises his hand and just yells, how old are you? And I'm like, great. Great, how do I keep going? How old are you? And it's because I have a baby face, and they just they're like, that kid's a junior. What was he doing up there? He's in high school. But I remember we have the ability as youth pastors to go onto their campus for lunch. Now, I don't know if you've ever stepped foot outside of high school into a high school lunch cafeteria. Like, no longer, you're not in high school anymore. You don't go there. But now you're going, I remember I was not prepared for the looks that I received. I mean, people would look you up and down, they would judge your complete outfit, and then literally tables upon tables, they would see my name tag that said, visiting pastor, and they'd look at me, and then they would just turn. No one made eye contact with me. It was the most awkward thing. I, I told my students the, the next week, I was like, you better say, Greg, because I'm not coming back. Like, I need some pawns of safety, because that was terrible, because when you were received poorly, you lose all confidence. I'm like, I don't want to run away to the bathroom. I feel like I'm in high school again. Like, this is terrible. But when we are received well, we thrive. And Jesus showcases this all the time. I mean, Jesus knew how to receive people well. There's an adulterous woman who was caught in the act, thrown to the ground. We don't know, does she have a sheet to cover herself? We don't know, but everyone around was receiving that woman poorly, but then Jesus receives her well, and what happens is forgiveness, healing, life. You remember the, the tax collectors? Everyone would receive them poorly. When you saw a tax collector, the Jewish uh, tradition was to spit at them, was to bump them. Jesus sees a tax collector and says, hey, follow me out of community. 
I have friends for you. I have a hope for you. Jesus sees a woman at the well, and typically women go in the morning or the evening to draw water, but this woman was going at noon, high noon, the hottest time of the day. Why? Because she was unwanted in her city. She was known as being a uh, that woman, the one who got around, the one who, who, who was maybe a gold digger, the one who just did everything on her own, and she was that woman. She's at this well alone, and Jesus receives her well. She's given living water, forgiveness. She's given attention. You see, when people are well-received, they thrive. And if you follow all those individual stories, it's really beautiful. Each person was forever changed by that initial well-receiving interaction. Like every single one of them were changed so much so that they were given a new name, a new purpose. They started proclaiming this Jesus who received them well. Their lives were changed. And I have this note, like notice Jesus welcomed people as they were. Like that's huge. So when, when Paul says, hey, welcome one another just as Christ Jesus welcomed you, he welcomed you as a sinner. Welcome one another, receive them. Receive them as Christ Jesus received you. He, he welcomes them as they were, and it's beautiful. And it was that initial hope, and I have this, that initial hope is what then planted the seed that would lead to life. It was that door-opening interaction that said, okay, this is different. This man is different. He's dreaming different. And it was that hope that allowed them to know the next step closer to him. Does that make sense? Like, this is the beautiful piece of what we can bring. In fact, this is our story. Jesus would do this with everyone that he could have contact with. And, and I wrote this down, that our lives are able to thrive now because the author of life he welcomed us into life, right? Like, we are able to thrive because the author of life received us well into real life. Jesus would do this over and over and over. This is your story. I want to read a, another Isaiah passage that when you read traditionally this idea of hope, that all the believers all over the world right now, the United Church, are reading this passage this morning. This is Sunday, Advent week one passage. And you will see the hope, the well-received nature of our God. Are you ready for this? It says in Isaiah 25 that on this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all people a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wines, and it's this open table that he's going to well-receive all those who follow it's a rich food filled with marrow. It says, well-aged wine, strength clear, and on that mountain, it says he will destroy on this mountain the shroud that is cast over all the people, the thing that's heavy, weighing them down, the shame of their past, the guilt of their now, the sheet that is spread over all nations, and he will swallow up death forever on that mountain. It says that the Lord will wipe away all tears from all faces. All faces and the disgrace of his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. And so Paul says, just as you were received into that, those of you who are believers, just as you were ushered into a table where you were given, you were given grace from your disgrace. You were given healing from your shame. Just as you were welcomed into that table, so you too should welcome 
Now I'll tell you, though I am, as a man, unable to literally welcome people into salvation, like I can't do that, I can't usher people into saving grace, but what we can do, we can welcome people into our life. We may not be able to welcome people into eternal life, but we can welcome people into our life. And that's what it means when Paul says, welcome one another, it's welcome them into your life, into your life. It's a powerful open door. What I mean by that is, what was the last time you let a non-believer, a person that you work with, see you openly struggle, yet trust consistently in a God who you believe will provide? You see, what happens is when you welcome them into your life, they see your struggle, yet they see the burden, and you feel like you're in a storm, but they see the hand of God, and it doesn't even make sense, but what it does do is it gives them hope for a next step. Does that make sense? When they see you and your spouse interact, it may be very different than they've ever experienced. When they see you interact with your kids, it may be different than they've ever expected, but what it does is it provides the world with hope for the next step. When they see you interact with your finances and how you use your money, when they see you interact with people that you disagree with, people that you have a struggle liking, this clarity, you welcome them into your life that provides them with hope to know what the next step is. Now, is it salvation? Not always, but it might be a next step to lower their defenses to start asking the questions about Jesus. Does this make sense? When they see how you honor people in authority that you do not agree with, which we might be in this, this area, right? Like, dude, as this world keeps going, we're going to have worldly leaders that you and I are called to honor, and how we honor them. It is an open door to the gospel. Like, this is beautiful. We welcome others into, I wrote this down, that we are hope givers by being well receivers. So you want to talk about giving hope? It's that well received. I'm sorry, I don't know. I'm going to receive them well. I'm going to receive them well. In other words, the, this is a beautiful way that you can spread hope. I received someone well, so I'm going to end this morning with tracking back to that Romans passage. You remember those quotes of Isaiah that were a little confusing? Well, what I love about this is this is going to go full circle. These quotes of Isaiah, Paul knew what he was doing and quoted them. In fact, it shows this beautiful progression of what happens as we welcome someone into our life. And I, I don't know if you noticed this when we read it the first time, but we're about to read it again. It's beautiful, this, this progression. And the first one, Paul, Paul uh, quotes Isaiah saying, I will confess you among the Gentiles. This is verse 9 of Romans 15. I will confess you among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. Now, pause. In other words, if we're going to welcome people, if we're going to receive someone well who's not a believer, it's going to be by us being among them. Did you see that? Like, it's a first progression among them. But not only that, you are confessing and praising among them. Now, this is very different. This isn't the whole, I believe in Jesus, I'm going to wear the Jesus t-shirt, I'm going to confess that I believe him, I'm going to sing, I'm going to do Jesus jukes, I'm going to listen to Christian music. That's not what Isaiah is. In fact, when the Old Testament talked about confessing among the people, when the, when the Old Testament talked about praising God's name, it was always united to very personal interactions. In other words, I confess 
the name of Yahweh, who when I was in my pit of despair, he brought me out of it. In other words, when you are with non-believers, you're sharing the full story of who you are. I'm struggling right now, but I'm confessing a God who made me new and who is making me. That's what the word confess means. And when it says you praise God in their presence, every one of the Psalms talk about, I praise the God who made a way for me. What was the last time that you received someone well by sharing your story with them? You see, I, I feel like we struggle with even getting to number two of this progression, you're going to see it, because we have a hard time with this first one, and actually letting people know not just that we're Christians, but the story of why. That's what confession and praise is. I praise the God, Isaiah would say, who brought me from my pit of despair, right? If you know anything about Isaiah 6, he was a man of unclean lips, right? He says, I am among people of unclean lips, but I've seen the Lord. See, we never make it past this stage because we have a hard time truly being open and vulnerable with others. And this is beautiful. This is what Paul says when, when he writes to the Jews and he writes this to the Corinthians. To the Jews, I become a Jew in order that I might win the Jews. To, to those who are under the law, I become under the law. Or to the weak, I become the weak. And he says it in this way. I have become all things to all people that I might by all means save some. In other words, that when you're at your co-workers, you don't talk in a weird Christianese wording. You're vulnerable to the weak, I became the weak, so that I might the weak. And so I talk very openly about my struggles, my most about my weaknesses, so that in my weaknesses he can be seen. That's what confessing and among the Gentiles, praising his name among the Gentiles means. And but he continues, right, there's the next one. Paul quotes Isaiah saying this, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. So now we got this, you have the non-believer friend here, community with you among them, but now it's this invitation with me. I need you to rejoice with me. I want to share in this blessing with you, so come to my home. Like, experience a meal at my table, and come be with me. This is how you receive people well. You go to them, live among them, and you bring them into your life, and you call them rejoice with you. Rejoice with us. That's the funnest thing, is you can share this meal with us. And this blessing that I have, like I've been given the ability to have finances, to, to, to take care of my family, to come experience this with me. And then it, the progression continues, and the third one says, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let the people praise Him. So now we have this, I'm going to be among them, I'm going to confess, then I'm going to invite them with me, but now I'm calling them to praise. I'm calling them. I'm inviting them an invitation. I'm sharing the gospel. I will tell you, in some ways, you struggle to be a hope spreader because you don't get past that point with people. Hope can only go so far before people are asking about the gospel. And this is the moment when you invite them in. Praise the Lord. Like, get to know God. When you actually share this faith, See, you're living among them and confessing that, hey, allow them to get a little step further and closer to you, but there's this progression that at some point you have to start sharing the gospel. The gospel. 
And then I love it, it goes full circle. This last quote is actually the one that, it's from Isaiah 11. This is what Andy read this morning. It says, the root of Jesse shall come, and the one who rises to rule the Gentiles in him. They shall hope. You see, the end result of you receiving someone well is that they will have real and abiding hope because they have a new ruler. Now, you hear me when I say this, uh, the word ruler might have a weird connotation for you sometimes. Sometimes that may feel like an iron fist in your background. You want a ruler? You're like, oh, my, my non-believing friends don't want a ruler. But what happens is as we invite them into our life, a huge divide will be seen between their life and our life. They will start realizing on their own, please hear me when I say this, I've had so many great conversations with non-believing friends who start realizing on their own that they are more ruled by their emotions than I am. That they are more ruled by their fears and worries and stresses than I am. That they are more worried and, and ruled by their, their addictions or their pains or their past or their past memories. They more, are more ruled. And the beautiful thing is, as we keep receiving people well and rubbing shoulders with them, they will come to realize how enchained they are and want the rule of a free king. Does that make sense? They will see the difference. And this doesn't always happen, but we keep receiving people well as Christ Jesus received us. This is the beautiful progression of the gospel that as we keep moving forward with people and being vulnerable, they will start having the questions that lead to what Paul says, hope. And I love how he ends. He says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace as you believe. And that's a beautiful thing. If you want hope in action, it's going to be right receiving people well. So they can believe what you believe. But not in the sense of that you're right, but in the sense of you know this, how painful it was to live in sin. We have to be people who are hope givers by being well receivers. Some of you this morning, you've been well received. You're still on that edge of, is this faith really what I want? But you've been well received and it's open, there's more questions, more things to lean in on. I, I challenge you to keep doing it. Keep leading in, asking the questions because our God is a faithful woman. So as we end this point, I have two questions for you and two questions only. The first one is, who then, believers, do you need to receive well? Who do you need to receive well? Maybe it's that coworker, maybe it's that family member, maybe it's that friend. Who do you need to receive well? And let's, let's define that. Who do you need to humble yourself and be vulnerable with? Who do you need to live life with right now? Who do you need to share your struggle with so they can see the way that you're fighting with God's grace? Who needs to know your story? Who can you invite in on a meal this week? Who do you need to move forward with by starting to ask those hard questions? Those gospel-sounding questions. Who do you need to receive what? Who? And the last question I have is, uh, who can you honor this week? Who has received you well? So there's something about the human brain. We tend to do more the things that we celebrate and honor. Have you ever thought, like, you tend to keep doing the things that you celebrate in your life. 
You will do the things that you celebrate so faithfully. We can help the discipline, our discipline of receiving people well, by constantly honoring and celebrating all the times that we were received well. What I mean by that is maybe this week you need to send a text message or make a phone call of someone in your life who's a huge part of your story, your testimony, that you were received well by them and you met Jesus because of it. Who are the people that you can celebrate, that you can honor because they received you well this week? Maybe it's a phone call, maybe it's a letter, maybe uh, it's, it's a, you want to post on, on social media, random honoring posts, this person who you were this way and were well received. I'll tell you what this does is it ingrains in us that this is something common that we should have that experience that we felt we should let other people feel. We need to receive someone well. And so it's honoring that sort of sets in that discipline deeper in us. So I actually want to end with that this morning. You know anything about the Advent season? I told you that we're going to be blessing people and, and shout, uh, showcasing, giving shout outs every week. And I actually want to do an honoring time this morning as we close. You see, the YMCA. I want to bless them this morning, this week. Because you talk about people who received us well. Our Christmas gift this week, uh, we're going to do this every week, showcasing and shouting out of people, an organization that, that we can honor. I, we're going to honor this week the YMCA. People who received us well, I asked Leo and, and, and some of the, the, the people to be here this morning because they have received us. And as a pastor, I will tell you, as a leader, every time we walked in with such hospitality, every time we've been well received, it has given me hope for the next step. Right, you too. Right, it's given us hope for the next step that God is doing something. And it was so practical. But I want to honor and celebrate and say thank you to the YRCA. And so this week we have... Uh, handwritten letters uh, to the full-time staff and the staff who's been working, volunteers, on Sunday. Uh, on Sundays, we have gift cards for them. And then Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, this is something we are able to do uh, just to bless them. We have pizza coming one day, some donutology donuts come another day, and some home-baked uh, cookies come another day because uh, this is hope in action. You, you tend to do things that you more that you celebrate. And so as a church, can I like, can we just honor the YMCA today, right? Yeah, I know. Thank you. Guys. This has been amazing to me. And so I, I challenge you, just like we're doing on a collective organizational level with the YMCA, there's some people that you can honor this week. So do so. As we close this morning, will you will pray with me as we continue in worship Jesus? You are name, you have a name above all names. Jesus, you have welcomed to me a sinner that was saved by grace. Jesus, I am redeemed because of you. We are made new. And so God, please forgive us for every time that we have poorly received someone. Please forgive us for every time. And God, I pray that we can be people who welcome one another as you have welcomed us. To your praise and glory, so God, let us let us receive someone well this week. Let us celebrate and honor someone who, who is a part of our story. For all for your glory, God. I just thank you. I pray a blessing over the wine
I pray a blessing over the staff. I pray a blessing over me, over team, over those who are, who are here week in and week out, who are here to, to help, who are here to, to be hospitable, who are here to, to clean. I thank you so much for all of them. May they just feel blessed this week in the smallest things that we can do. God, I just pray that you make big impact. We love you, Jesus. And in your name, we are your Amen.